Regulators Podcast. I am your host, Waldo. It is awesome to have you guys back with us for another week. If you are new to the show, for some reason, um, maybe due to the reason that we've been getting a lot of love on social media, but if you are just now finding us, if this is your first episode, if someone has shared this with you, I'm going to give you basically the rundown of how this works. I proceed to get drunker and drunker as the show goes on, while at the same time entertaining you with every single football matchup we're heading into this weekend, sharing with you betting um, spreads, stats, and of course an ill-timed joke uh, from time to time. But I really appreciate the shit out of you guys joining us, and I know going into Thanksgiving everyone likes to talk about what they're thankful of. I am so incredibly thankful that Every single week, I get to get lit and talk about my favorite thing in the world, which is football. We cover all 32 teams. Whoever your team is, we have you covered. Now, I can't promise that we're always going to say nice things about your team, but I do promise that I try very, very hard to keep it 100 as much as possible, and that's exactly what we are going to do. So right out of the gate, keeping with that, narrative right i have to keep it uh completely 100 and i was watching the monday night game this past week and they had an awesome interview with this girl rita oak if you don't know uh, she is the person who draws the jimmy g pictures every single day so she's like a graphic artist and she started this thing on Twitter that she was going to draw a different picture of Jimmy G every day until he gets traded. And then he ended up not getting traded. And now she's just drawing these things every day. And they're very cool. They're very awesome. Um, she's added themes to certain ones like Calvin and Hobbes, Star Wars, South Park, all kinds of different things. It was really cool. And it was very awesome of Monday Night Football to interview her and to, um, you know, see what goes into what she's doing and how she's gained this big social media presence, which it was awesome, right? Um, But the thing that I found interesting about the interview is they interviewed her boyfriend a lot. Like, I don't know why. And, you know, he did say that, you know, he had kind of given her the idea um, that, you know, she should draw jimmy g every day and then um there was something else that came up or she did it one time and he was like oh you should do that you should do one like every day you know somebody else on social media suggested it i don't know what it was but like it's not like they were interviewing him for background on her about like oh has she always you know been into drawing and what is it like it was just they were interviewing him for nothing. There, there was nothing to add to the piece that he contributed. And first of all, boyfriend, with all due respect, sir, and I mean with all due respect, boyfriend, there ain't no fucking ring on that finger. Like, you ain't you ain't nothing to nothing yet. Like, like I, I appreciate the fact that y'all are... But why? Why are you on camera? And I'm not saying that this was him. I'm not saying that he said, hey, I got to be part of the interview. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is, why the fuck 
are we even learning about the boyfriend? He didn't do anything. He's he's the boyfriend. Like, wh what does he have to do with any of this? And I thought, am I crazy? Am I insane? Or, like, are they spending too much of this little 8-10 minute featurette talking to the boyfriend? Like, there, there's really nothing to say. Like, maybe a 20-second total in tops like should be there like well, like why is he there and then when they came out of the piece I want to say it was Tony Gonzalez but I could be wrong I've watched a lot of football this weekend but somebody somebody coming back on the desk was like also mentioned something about the boyfriend and I was like see it's I'm not crazy right I'm not crazy like why like he didn't do anything it was all her so let her have her moment. But that's just, you know, something I needed to get off my chest. And again, if you're new to the show, I will be getting a lot of things off of my chest. But awesome football in store this weekend. We have no teams on bye week. None. Zip zero. Stingy with the Nero. So it is going to be an awesome weekend of football. No matter who your team is, they are playing this week. Now, the way the divisions are shaking up is getting pretty interesting. So for reference, 1998 was the only time in history that all four teams in a division made the playoffs. So right now you have the entire AFC East would be in. They would make the playoffs, regardless of the things we're going to get into about a couple of those teams. But the whole AFC East would be in. Additionally, the NFC East also all has winning records. For years, they've been the joke of the NFL and, you know, oh, that division, you know, how, how... And both of these divisions, really. I mean, for two decades, you had the Patriots just running roughshod through the AFC East with nobody to stop them. And then in the NFC East, it was like, okay, usually one team, whether it's the Eagles in 17, whether it's the Cowboys when they first got Dak and Zeke together, you know, whoever it is, like there's going to be one team and the rest of them are, are pretty much trash. The Giants back previously, obviously, of course, Washington has not been good in a long time. So to have all of those teams have a winning record, that's something to be said. So there's going to be a lot of fun football to watch as we go down the stretch. Now, Having said that, this is something that I talk about a lot on Twitter, and no matter how many times I share these links, I am fully aware that there are people who will find themselves in my mentions that have not read these links, who have not read this information, and I get it. Like, listen, we're all fucking busy. We all got things to do. I'm not going to read that. It looks like more than two sentences. It's too much, right? I get it. Having said that, here's your opportunity. Here's the podcast like I'm I'm trying to educate you. What I would like you to know is that the tiebreakers for the NFL don't work the way you think they are. And there might be like 2 to 5% of you out there listening going, "No, I'm pretty sure they work how I think they do. I actually know how they work." And, you know, maybe, you know, some of you are right. But the majority of people have no idea how the tiebreakers work. How do I know this? Well, we put out a lot of stats. We put out a lot of information on the page. On Twitter, you can find us at Regulators Pod. Lots of awesome stuff that's always out there. But as we put these things out closer to playoff things, we like to post, you know, hey, this team has a whatever percent chance to make it, or, you know, they've almost clinched, but they need this and this to happen. And people will inevitably every year say, no, they've already clinched. It's a done deal. No, they actually fucking haven't. 
Um, or people will say that, you know, oh, this game doesn't matter because they won head-to-head. That They beat that team head-to-head. Well, here's the problem, Chief. Head-to-head only works in certain scenarios. For example, do you know that there are different tiebreakers for a tiebreaker within a division and a tiebreaker that's not within the division? Completely different set of rules. And furthermore, did you know that if there's, let's say, a three-way tie, and let's say for a wild card spot, there's a three-way tie for a wild card spot, and two of those teams are in a division, and one of those teams is not in the division, well, then that really complicates things because you have to use a combination of division tiebreakers to eliminate one team and then go back into the regular team. But when you have more than two teams tied with the same record, it also comes into play where you have to do common games and if one team hasn't played the same amount of common games, like there's a, it's, it's not as complicated as I'm making it sound, but the rules are right there. And we'll post the link tomorrow morning so that everybody can read up on it and everybody can understand. And it's much easier to just follow us and then we will put out the stats and we will say this team has clinched or they haven't yet or this is probable. Here are the situations of what each team needs to clinch, etc., etc. So that's easy. We take everything you know out so you don't have to do the common core and all the ridiculous carry the one stuff. But if you want to learn, if you want to know about it, then I implore you to check out the NFL tiebreakers because they aren't what people think they are. And every single year I have people saying, no, that doesn't, like we beat them head to head. Yes, but you are tied with another team, a third team for that slot who didn't play everybody head to head. So you can't use that as the tiebreaker. It works differently. So I just want to put that out there, a little bit of education before you end up getting in some Twitter beef with, you know, somebody on social media. Just educate yourself, you know, try to try to learn a little bit um, out in the streets. So a lot of football this weekend, including, including Thanksgiving Day. Man, if you are like I am, you are so excited to be in a food comatose watching all-day football, about to pass out on the couch. I'm talking greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes. You know the drill. Like, you know what's up. So I can't wait to be stuffed full of food, watching football all day. And it kicks off Thursday with the Buffalo Bills at the Detroit Lions. Now, this is interesting. I still have not found an answer to this question, but I would love for somebody to... uh, Someone who's listening, if you know what's up, feel free to hit us up and answer this question because I crowdsourced it and we couldn't find it. When was the last time that an NFL team won two games within a four-day period on a field that wasn't their own, on an, on an opposing visiting field. Because that's what the Bills have a chance to do. So obviously, due to the snow situation in Buffalo, the Bills played last week in Detroit, as we all know. Now, four days later, here they are playing the Lions at that same stadium. So if they win, I'd be curious to know when was the last time that a team won two back-to-back games on the same visiting field And has it ever been done in four days? Now, we know that the Giants and the Jets 
share a stadium. We know that the Chargers and the Rams share a stadium. So there are instances where if the schedule worked out right, a team could play on the road back-to-back weeks and get wins in the same stadium. However, has it ever happened in four days? And how often has it happened? I don't know. So just just an interesting thing. So having said that, the Bills at 7-3 and three are taking on the Detroit Lions. And the Bills are favored by 10 points in this one. Now, I think the Bills are fantastic. I know that they've had some close games recently. Obviously, you know, they've been banged up with injuries as everybody else has. You know, I'm not giving them excuses. But they had a close one with the Browns. They had, obviously, what happened in Minnesota was just unconscionable. I mean, you're basically in kneel-down territory and you fumble that snap. Like, like the amount of things that had to happen in a certain way. So, hey, you are what your record says you are. So I'm not, I'm not giving passes to the Bills. What I'm saying is, even at 7-3, and three, we know that this is an exceptional, exceptional football team. Um, you look at their defense, you look at their offense. Incredible football team, right? Having said that, 10 points seems like a lot. And I've been doing a lot of research lately on double-digit point spreads because you know my take. I'm usually like, eh, I walk away from it. Not because I'm saying, you know, oh, it's definitely not going to cover, but it's just, it's poison. It's, it's the lure of the siren. And I don't trust myself to not dig deep enough to, to take those spreads. So usually I don't, I don't fuck with those spreads unless I tie them into teasers or, you know, something... Something a little extra. Having said that, 10 points seems like a lot of points for an offense that that scores a lot, frankly. I know that the Bills have a better defense. Like, I get that, and I get that the Lions defense is what it is. But for me personally, I'm actually buying the Lions at home. And if I can, you know, bump that to a 10 and a half point, I'm taking the Lions. I'm taking the Lions to cover 10 and a half. Now with Buffalo, again, such a weird situation. You know, the Bills and the Browns playing on the same field with the Detroit Lions logo was definitely a first for me. But despite all the drama around the game, the Bills got the W last week. They did what they needed to do. And Stefan Diggs gave immense credit to his head coach, talking to him early. We could see like, Diggs was kind of getting emotional. He was upset early in the game. They weren't moving the ball the way they wanted to. His coach took him aside and started talking to him. And Diggs said, you know, he always has the right words to say. And, you know, that's that's something that I think some organizations are missing. Like, you look at, people have done breakdowns of conversations between Brian Flores and Tua and Mike McDaniels and Tua, Right. People have done clip-ups of the way Sean McVay talks to his players, the way that, um, you know, these different head coaches are talking to their players. And I think that that is almost just as important part of the job as the X's and O's. And I mean, look at Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell takes a different approach with it. He's different, but I mean, you do do see him rile up people ready to run through a wall for him, and that's great. But you don't see these old school bullies, these guys that just don't talk to their 
quarterbacks during the game that don't you know that just they'll say a few words and then they'll just whatever like they they understand the eq part of it and i could get into a whole spiel about the changing dynamics of the modern workplace and everything else like that which the nfl is still a workplace and a lot of these guys you know i'm not saying that you have to hold their hands and kiss their ass and stuff like that but to be in tune to be on the same page hey what are you seeing out there okay, yeah, I saw the same thing. Or, you know, like, hey, listen, I know it's not going, you know, here and that, but we got this. Like, this is what I need you to do. Look for this, look for that. We'll be good. We got this. Like, you know, people want to follow leaders. People want to follow leaders, not bosses. They want to follow fucking leaders. And I think the Bills absolutely got it right so far. And, uh, you know, it was awesome to see Stefan Diggs giving credit to his head coach there in that situation. Now, the run game smashed last week, 171 rushing yards, and you know the lot. The excuse me, the Bills love when they can hurt you multiple ways, so they are going to try to keep that situation going. Gabe Davis, man, he troubles me. I love Gabe Davis. Like Gabe Davis was one of my guys where I'm like, fuck, man, like like this guy, like how did they find him? Like this guy's awesome, but he has one of the highest drop rates in the NFL. And I don't know if it's yips. I don't know if he needs to stay on the jugs machine. I don't know what it is. But hopefully, you know, he can get that kind of taken care of because at some point, you know his number is going to be called in the playoffs, in a dire situation, and you want to hope that he's going to come down with the balls when it's important. So uh, the Lions, as I mentioned, you know, I think they're porous against the run. So they allowed 150 they allow 150 rushing yards per game, which is the worst in the NFL, second worst, excuse me, second worst in the NFL. And so I think the Bills are going to try to keep that one game pounding, which then gives you a lot of options when obviously the defense has to try and cover both things and uh, not being exceptionally well at either of them. So lots of yards on the ground this week, which makes Cook relevant behind Singletary. So something to keep an eye out for in fantasy. The problem for me, the Bills, who are immensely talented and who most people had kind of penciled in for a Super Bowl run this year, if not the Super Bowl favorite, they lead the league in offensive turnover rate, 17%. 17% of their drives currently end in a turnover. It's time to clean that up before the postseason. Bills got to take care of the football. It's, It's a very simple thing. You have to take care of the football, and that goes for Josh Allen. That goes for everybody else. Um, but you can't you can't have almost one out of five drives end in an offensive turnover. That's not going to win you games long term, uh, especially against really good opponents who will make you pay. The Lions score twenty five points per game on average. The Bills score twenty eight points per game on average. This is why again that ten point spread. You know, it's a lot for me. So I'll buy it plus 10.5. Let's lock the Lions in and let's go. Now, the Lions have a better record than the Green Bay Packers. Like, that's that's just mind-blowing to me. And, you know, credit to them because they were 1-6. You could have easily uh, quit on Dan Campbell and said, fuck this. Like, this, this isn't it. Like, we're out. But... Their three-game win streak is the longest in the NFC. So they have rallied off three 
consecutive wins and they're fighting for their coach. They're fighting for their teammates. So good for them, man. I, I love to see that fight out of people. And I would honestly, I would love to see these players, these coaches. I would love to see this team prove why they got it right with Dan Campbell, why he is the guy for the job. But I'm not sold just yet. The run game for the Lions has been something else, man. Like, if they had consistent play on defense, this could be a really decent team. And three turnovers last week helped them get past the Giants. And we talk about being thankful. You know, the Lions are thankful that rookie Jamison Williams is returning from Pup. That will give them some options in the passing game as well. The Lions have one loss this year. By more than four points, and that was the Cowboys game. I really do believe they can hang with the Bills most of the way. If you can tease this game, absolutely even better. Jesus Christ, I forgot to turn my phone off. Uh, my bad, guys. Very unprofessional. Bear, bear with me a second. Hello? Good afternoon. Is this Mr. Waldy? Um, maybe? Uh, yes? Oh, well, that's actually crazy, Jessica, because um, I've actually been trying to reach you about Toyota-thon! That's right, it's back, baby. I'm talking about the Camry you didn't see coming, Jessica. I'm talking about the most advanced Corolla to date. And if you need room for the entire family, that's okay. You need to explore the new Toyota Highlander. Unlike a warranty on a late model car, Toyota-thon will not be extended. So get to your local Toyota dealership before January 3rd because these deals won't last forever. So how does that sound? Hello? Jessica? All right, well, I guess she hung up. Um, probably because she was so excited to rush on out to Toyota-thon and can you really blame her? I can't. Someone I can blame, however, is the New York Giants. What happened last week, fellas? Giants looked sus last week, but they are now 7-3, and three, and they are taking on the Dallas Cowboys at 7-3. and three. Very, very important game for the division. The Cowboys are favored by 9.5 points in this game, and as my homie reminded me the other week, just say no to betting on NFC East matchups. So I'm not going to do it. This is going to be an interesting game for so many reasons. Neither of these teams is even in first place in the division, so they're both chasing the Eagles. But the way this division is going to shape out, you need this one. Like This, is, this one's going to be hard to recover from if you take the L here. And it may have other implications as well because OBJ is pretty much acting like the winner of this game gets Odell Beckham Jr. Like... He reminds me of that girl in Tokyo Drift with uh, the home improvement kid and the redneck from Friday Night Lights. Like, he's standing there like, winner gets me. And now they're going to duke it out uh, in Jerry World, and whichever team comes out victorious is going to get Odell Beckham Jr. At least that's the way I see it playing out in my mind. So I, I fully expect Homeboy to be there, like, in a box, like, enjoying it, just like, this is your prize, boys, come and get it. So, that will be uh, interesting to watch. And the Giants could use 
wide receiver help. Their rookie, Wandell Robinson, tore his ACL. He is done for the year. So they're definitely hoping that he comes and joins them. But like a man who told his Latina girlfriend she was acting crazy, the Giants got their ass beat in front of all their friends last week. Hopefully, hopefully, that was just a game to forget and Big Blue can bring in some sage this week, get the ores cleansed, um, because they need to ward off any of these late-season evil spirits and get a very important win this week. With the Cowboys, they looked sharp, obviously, last week. Biggest road victory in Cowboys history. 37-point road win, 40-3, and... What did I tell you guys? I said sell high on CD Lamb. Sell high on CD Lamb. 45 yards. That's what he got you. Like, I'm not saying this guy can't be a depth piece on your roster. I'm saying last week, you could have gouged someone. You could have got someone to overpay for CD Lamb so fucking bad that the return just would have been awesome. But now, you're stuck with him. It is what it is. I'm not saying the guy's a bum. I'm not saying you can't use him in your roster. But I don't think you're going to... I think what you saw last week will be much closer to his production than what you saw the week before. Now, Dallas has the number one defense in football. They are only allowing 16.7 points per game. They have the number one pass defense, but they are 26th against the run. So now Saquon's coming to town, licking his chops, That could be a big day for him. So it'll be very interesting. They gave all this credit to Mike McCarthy and the coaching and the way things were schemed up last week. All right, let's see your defense shut down Saquon. Like, and for the Cowboys backfield, we can talk about Pollard's monster day in the passing game. Like, that's awesome. But the only running back better than his 5.9 yards per carry on the ground this season is Khalil Herbert. So he's getting it done in a multitude of different ways. It is not just like, oh, in the passing game, he's this, but, you know, he can't run the ball. Listen, I get what people are saying. Like, Zeke trying to get those short goal line plunges, like, I'm all for it. Like, Pollard is the truth, but Zeke will continue to vulture goal line carries. As a Cowboys fan, you should love it. Like, you hit him with the thunder and lightning, you're Gucci. But keep both healthy and playing their role. As a fantasy owner, I get it. It can be kind of hit or miss. But it's hard to bench either of these guys with context. Now, the next game and the last game that you have on your Thursday night slate on your Thursday slate is the night game. Um, that's the New England Patriots at the Minnesota Vikings. So the Patriots are six and four, and the Minnesota Vikings are eight and two. The Vikings are favored by three points in this one. If it were me, I would take the Vikings by the three. New England scored 46 straight in the red zone against the New York Jets, going back to like 2016, 46 straight times. They don't miss, right? It's fourth and one last week in that 3-3 bullshit game. You're on the doorstep. I'm I'm sorry, it was 3-0? Was it 3-0? I guess it was 3-0 because it was 4th and 1 they kicked a field goal. It's 4th and 1 they kicked a field goal. It was just, it was the most pussy move I've ever seen by Bill Belichick. Like, sorry, not sorry. Um, Fortunately, on a kick return for a touchdown, with two blocks in the back, even if you let the last one slide, you had a block in the back way upfield. But fortunately, due to that kick return, 
Patriots walk off, five seconds left, you know, done deal, and they get the W. And I will say, like, at least Mac Jones was fairly good in this game. 23 of 27, 246 yards. So he was getting the ball out. He was getting it to wide receivers. You know, they they were moving the ball down the field, but they just couldn't get points. Like, every time they were close to points, they, ju- they just stalled. Um, and overall this season, Mac Jones has not been anything close to competent. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not rooting against the kid. Like, I... I hope that he turns into what they think he can be. But last year, last year you had a top five defense, you had a running game that was out of this world, and you didn't ask Mac to do a lot. Now, when you are asking Mac to do big boy things, he's not consistently doing it. And I'm not saying he can't. I'm not saying that this dude's career is over, that he's a bust. What I'm saying is we need to see a lot of improvement, and I'm sure he's working at it, but, you know, I also have to, you know, call a spade a spade. Matt Patricia calling the offense, as far as we understand, is not doing him any credit. Like, that's not, I don't even want to get into the whole thing. We touched on it a little bit about coaching and this and that. I I do not think that that is the setup for Mac Jones. However, Mac Jones currently... 29th in passer rating he has four touchdowns and seven interceptions to put into perspective how far behind the curve Matt Jones is if we took Tua Tungavailoa who's in first place in that division and we added 20 interceptions to his stat line this season he would still have a higher passer rating than Mac Jones you gotta be better you got to be better. The defense is doing their thing, and I'm not putting it all on Mac, and we know he's throwing to garbage. He doesn't have a lot of skill set around him, but he needs to make it almost fucking undoubtable. And I, I know that's almost unfair to ask, given the situation and everything we just talked about, but he needs to absolutely prove like there, there's just a lot of things he does throughout the game. If you watch the game, that it's just like, ah, uh, it's 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 hard. Some of it's some of it's very hard to watch. And I don't care. I don't care if Devonte Parker drops a ball. I don't care if you know he makes a good read, but the wide receiver messes up. Something happens. You know that like that's that's fine, right? But I want to see him make correct reads. I want to see him, and I'm not saying he doesn't do it. What I'm saying is he doesn't do it enough consistently, and there's a reason why he's 29th in passer rating, and some of it has to do with those other caveats that we mentioned. But listen, no one gave excuses to Tua. No one gave excuses to, you know, half of these other quarterbacks, and so, you know, we're not doing it for um, Zach Wilson. We're not doing it for, you know, half of these guys so at the end of the day mac jones has to be better he knows that and right now it's just not happening the patriots have the number two defense in the nfl right now that's why they're six and four like that is the reason why they're six and four just like the new york jets you add mid-tier competency at quarterback and this team fucks you add jared goff or andy dalton to this team they're probably winning a super bowl They're going to be damn close. They're going to die trying. 
And again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying Mac is a bust. I'm not saying he can't at some point be the guy. I'm saying right now he's not ready. You watch that Jets-Patriots game. You watch that 3-3 three to three shit show. And you go, one of these... T-, because again, right now, both of those teams would be in the playoffs. And you're saying, either one of these teams is going to go into Kansas City and beat Mahomes and those boys? They're going to go into Buffalo and they're going to beat Josh Allen and those guys? They're going to go down to Hard Rock to Miami and beat Tua and Hill and Watt? Like, no. No. This team is not capable of doing that as they are currently set up unless Mac Jones just all of a sudden a, a switch flicks in him and he goes fucking scorched earth. And I'm again, I'm not saying it's all him, but I, what I'm saying is that's what would have to happen because this is this is a good team, especially the defense, but the offense isn't doing it. They're not getting it done. Talking about a team who didn't get it done, and should be fucking embarrassed. The Minnesota Vikings, which is who's hosting the New England Patriots. They got embarrassed by Dallas, 40-3. to Stop me if you've heard this one. The Minnesota Vikings have the second worst pass defense in football. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Yet they are 8-2. As usual, the problem is not Kirk Cousins. Since joining the Vikings... Kirk Cousins has had 138 touchdowns and 44 interceptions with a rating over 100. Now this year, he hasn't been elite. Like last year, he was playing stupid. Like this year, he's not elite. This year, he's good most of the time. Not great overall, but my point is he's not the problem. He gets the ball down the field. He scores when they need to score. The defense... The defense has to improve under new head coach Kevin O'Connell. It's what got Zim fired. And Zim was literally known for defense, and he had the worst defense in football. And it's the biggest glaring issue for this team. Otherwise, come playoff team, these wins are going to be as useless as birth control in the Phillip Rivers household. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter at all. At all. So I love that the Vikings are 8-2. I love that they're shaking things up. I love that they have a redonkulous fucking lead on the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions in their own division. And, you know, had they won last week, you know, they, they might be clinching their entire division this week. But having said that, uh, there's still a lot of football to be played. Both of these teams are vying for playoff spots, so it's a very important game there on Thanksgiving. And then that flips us over to the Sunday games. So you've got the Denver Broncos at 3-7. And, and they will be at the Carolina Panthers at 3-8. and eight. Two garbage teams. If you like Denver or you like Carolina, that's okay. It's okay to like garbage. Oscar the Grouch made a whole fucking career out of liking garbage. Like, it's okay to like garbage. And maybe one day, your garbage won't be garbage. But... Right now, your teams are garbage. Melvin Gordon has put the ball on the ground almost 30 times the last couple years, and the Broncos finally had enough. So they released him on Monday, and then we find out that Chase Edmonds is now out a few weeks due to an injury, which means it is Latavius Murray's season. Listen, I don't trust this offense as far as I can throw them, but... 
I trust volume. And so if, if you need a flex, if you need a situation, have Latavius Murray in your sights. Now, to give you an idea of how bad the Broncos offense is, if you spotted Russell Wilson 20 extra touchdowns this season, 20 extra passing touchdowns, he would still have a worse passer rating than Jalen Hurts, who was still on the fucking board when you drafted K.J. Hamler. You could have had Jalen Hurts for a song and a dance. You could have drafted him, but you took K.J. Hamler, and then you gave up all them picks and all that money to Russell Wilson. Now, I do have a thought about Russ, and here's what it is. His 12.4 yards per completion is second in the NFL. Sounds like an odd stat, right? For an offense that's just been garbage. 12.4 yards per completion. Second in the NFL. Now, why doesn't this add up to points? Well, for starters, his completion percent is 31st in the NFL. So yeah, he gets 12.4 yards when he completes the ball, but he's not completing it that often. So what does that tell us? It tells me that he is forcing the ball downfield too much. He's going for the home run. Stop playing fucking hero ball. When you then go look up his intended air yards per attempt, he is third at 8.8 yards per attempt. So what that means is Russell Wilson is aiming the ball the third from the furthest down the field of anybody in the NFL. So exactly what I said. He's trying to play hero ball. Confirmed my belief. You have a great defense. Learn to take four or five yards a clip. Everyone likes to talk shit about, you know, check down person. and the, That's how Mac Jones made it to the playoffs last year. Like, that's how Patrick Mahomes made it to the playoffs last year. Do you know that last year Patrick Mahomes was leading the league in throws at or behind the line of scrimmage? Because everybody was covering deep. Nobody wanted to be burned by Tyreek. Nobody wanted Kelsey to go ham. So they were comfortable giving up four or five yards every time. Mahomes said, all right, I'm going to take that. Throws it at the line of scrimmage. Guy gets four or five yards. Sometimes he breaks one. Sometimes he doesn't. But... You don't go broke taking a profit, and everybody, you know, Tony Romo and Jim Nance and these analysts, you know, kept saying, you know, how much Mahomes had matured by not doing that. Because we've talked about it before on the on the podcast, where early in the season, Mahomes last year was trying to play that hero ball, and they led the league in turnovers. It was a bad situation, but they got right. He learned to stop doing that, which... Again, my suspicions, I really think the dude is so elite and so talented that he was fucking bored out there, and he was just trying to throw ridiculous things. But back to Russell Wilson, same situation. Stop playing hero ball. When you look up and you see that they're 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, throw that out. Get it there. Get the four or five yards, and then hit the next down. So that's all I'm saying. Very interesting when you dig into it. But until you know, you can learn to uh, pull those plays off. Um, 
it's it's going to be rough because right right now Russell Wilson is proving to be a worse investment than FTX, and that's hard to do. But it also doesn't help that the Broncos are the most penalized team in football, which I do put on coaching. To me, when penalties are that slanted in one direction, that comes back to coaching. That just you know again I I don't. Um, you know, I give credit where credit's due, and I, I don't think Brian Flores was a perfect person, and I don't even know as far as, you know, someone playing for him and all that stuff, but one of the things that he, st- like, was kind of his mantra was the TNT, takes no talent. It takes no talent to not fumble a ball, to not commit a penalty, to do these little things that, like, that's not that's not talent, you know, that's just you being mentally aware of your role and what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. So that's something that, for me, always comes back to coaching. But the Denver Broncos will take on the Carolina Panthers, who are their own dumpster fire. And the Panthers have not beat a single team this year that wasn't in the NFC South. All of their wins have been NFC South opponents. Baker Mayfield last week, 196 yards, no touchdowns, and two turnovers. So, having said that, the Panthers have decided they've seen enough, and it will now be Sam Darnold. So this is not a drill. Sam Darnold has been named the starter for the Carolina Panthers. Get ready for your interception overs. I'm going to be riding these props. I'm going to be looking at them. Obviously, at the time that we put out this show, all of those props aren't there yet, but that's something you should definitely pour over the day of the game. Now, DJ Moore is interesting for me because he suffers a lot with Baker, and we saw how well he was doing with PJ Walker, but now it goes to Sam Darnold. So I expect DJ Moore's numbers to be closer to Baker than to PJ Walker. But we'll see if uh, Sam has the stenads in it to just throw it up. I think, you know, P.J. Walker did what he had to do, right? This is a guy from the XFL who's not even supposed to be there. And he was like, I'm going out. I'm going out slinging. And he did everything he could. And they played some amazing games. But the situation is now it's been turned over to Sam Darnold, who has been benched for more quarterbacks than I can count, has been traded out of town has been you know seen ghosts all kinds of things but i think this will be an ugly game broncos are favored by two and a half on the road i'm not touching it because neither of these teams are consistent neither of them are very good so it's just which team is going to be a little bit less shitty on sunday and we will find out but that brings us to the tampa bay buccaneers five and five they're going on the road to take on the Cleveland Browns, who are 3-7. and seven. The Buccaneers are favored by field goal and a half in this one, 3.5. I think the Bucs can cover. At first, I wasn't so sure, but I think this is the time of year. I, I don't know what Brady's future holds. I don't know how far the Bucs are going to go. But I think he's going to turn things on. I, like, I, I just... Until Tom is 2-14... and 14, and quits football 2-15. and 15. Excuse me, I'm an old head. Um, I, I just can't call him dead. I won't count him out the same way I won't count Bill Belichick out. Like it, it, Until it's done and over and you see the body, I won't count him out. So, 
The Browns allow teams to score on 46% of drives, which is the worst in the NFL. You hear me? You, you hear what I'm putting down? So, like Johnny Depp in an Amber Heard trial, this is a great chance for vindication. I think Brady should go out and show that they are still contenders in the NFC, that they're going to win this fucking division, and then celebrate with a mega pint after the game. Speaking of which, speaking of alcohol in the games, did you guys hear, I think it was the Commanders players, they were fined for having beers on a flight after the game. And, of course, you know, they quoted subsection paragraph 3.02, players shall not uh, during games in the team facility or on travel to and from games consume alcoholic beverage, blah, blah, blah. But, like, that's funny because I remember a press conference just a couple weeks ago where Tom was excited. They had the game in Germany, thought it was awesome, and he said in the post-game presser, Oh, we're going to celebrate. I'm not sure if we'll have alcohol on the plane or what. Why wouldn't you be sure? Because you've been in the league for over two decades. And if that was something that did not happen, as it's allegedly not allowed to happen on rules, you would know about that. But the fact is, of course it fucking happens. Like, what world are we living in? The same world where Gronk is shotgunning beers during Super Bowl parades. The same world where Brady is being carried drunk out of his mind after the boat parade because we we live in a real world with real fucking people and if you know somebody's on a plane not the, the pilot wasn't drinking these dudes are flying first class like on the way back from the fucking football game and they had a beer on the plane and oh now now somebody's in trouble or is it really like oh it got onto social media and now we have to pretend like they're in trouble like like just stop man i'm i'm so sick of this nonsense that's just it's like we all live in this fantasy fucking world where I'm, i am so surprised that taylor heineke had a beer what 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 a depraved young man like fucking stop miss me with that bullshit so Talking about missing bullshit, Browns had a shot last week. They had a shot, and listen, as Billy Madison would say, you blew it. The defense started the game well, but then it was just all downhill. Buffalo ran away at the end. Jacoby Brissett, 28 for something. I can't read my handwriting, but... Uh, 241 yards, I know that, three touchdowns, no interceptions, but most of it was in garbage time. Having said that, Amari Cooper keeps being the gift that I love receiving every single week under the radar. Eight catches, 113 yards, and two tutties. That's, that's a fantastic day from your number one wide receiver, and he is my number one wide receiver, not just in my heart, but in my fantasy lineup. A lot of people trying to trade me for him all of a sudden as we get a couple days of trade deadline. And what's ironic is I offered him up early in the season to people and they're like, oh, no, I don't think so. Could have had him. Could have had him at a deal. But now that's my, that's my Amari Cooper. You ain't getting shit. So he is going to help me win a championship again this year. And talk about good players on the Browns. Nick Chubb was completely bottled up last week. 
Averaged 1.4 yards per carry. Normally, that's not the case. So, Nick Chubb actually spends 3.1 seconds behind the line of scrimmage, which is the most in the NFL. And more times than not, that patience pays off. It just didn't last week. So, the Bucks run D is middle of the road. There is going to be opportunity there. And if the Browns don't get down early, I expect a big day from Nick Chubb. Otherwise, if it's, you know, getting away and the the uh, Browns have to go to the pass game, I assume that it will be Brady who has the Chubb. But three-and-a-half-point favorites are the Buccaneers on the road. I think they can cover the three-and-a-half. The Baltimore Ravens, also on the road. They are four-point favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Duval, where are you at? Jacksonville is 3-7. and seven. Ravens are the flip side of that at 7-3. and three. Now, Baltimore has won four straight games, and they are looking to run off with the AFC North. The Ravens forced three turnovers in the fourth quarter last week, and I have to tell you, early in that game, I was like, uh, it looked rough, you know, against a team that you should really be mollywhopping. Like that, you know, it, it, it looked close, but... Ravens showed up, especially that defense. They did what they needed to do. Demarcus Robinson went off, nine catches, 128 yards. And I fully expect the number three rush defense in football, Baltimore Ravens, to shut down the Jags' run game. So if you're hoping for a big day out of Travis Etienne, I don't think it's necessarily in the cards. Now, it's a tough situation in Jacksonville coming off the bye. When Doug Peterson got to town, he wasn't sure if he joined a team with a franchise quarterback or not, so like a blind man at an orgy, he's had to feel things out for himself. Unfortunately, I don't think he likes what he has in his hand. Trevor Lawrence is fighting for his NFL career, and it's not over by any means, but he needs to show why he was taken number one overall and should be the centerpiece for the future. We talked about Mac Jones. Listen, these quarterbacks are on shorter leashes these days. We all saw what happened to Josh Rosen. You know, if you're not showing that you have what it takes, as Uncle Pat would say, how you doing, keep it moving, and they're on to the next. So I think that that is what I am watching the most out of this Jacksonville Jaguar team as this season goes all the way to the end is I want to see Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence build this crazy relationship where they figure each other out and you know he knows where he's going to be and they start making progress and things start to slow down for Trevor Lawrence and again as I said with Mac I'm not saying it can't happen I'm saying it hasn't happened yet but obviously I wish him the best the Baltimore Ravens I think cover the four points on the road against Jacksonville so that would be my bet now we talk about these big spreads. You want to talk about a big spread. The Houston Texans, 1-8-1. and eight and one. They're going on the road, down to Hard Rock. And, you know, from what I hear, the sun will be present. I know that's a problem for some teams. But the Dolphins are 7-3, and three, and they are 13-point favorites at the current moment. They opened up at 12. They moved to 13. I don't know if it's going to continue to move, but the Dolphins are 13-point favorites. I am not taking that poison at all hypothetically should it happen yes but i'm not betting on this game for a number of reasons uh at least not the way it sets up i'm not betting a 13 point spread that's just insanity but houston 
Texans are racing towards the first overall draft pick. And Davis Mills last week, 169 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Damian Pierce averaged less than a yard per carry last week. And that's that's tough. If you are fighting for fantasy playoffs and that's the guy you've had on your roster past couple weeks, it has not been amazing to you the way it was early on in the season. I think he's still a good back. I think there's still upside there. Miami is pretty stout against the run, so I don't think that he's going to have a big game this week. I would bench him if it were me. Um, If there's ever a we're still here game for the Houston Texans, this would be it. This is a game where you have no business winning. No business whatsoever. But it's the fucking NFL, man. And any given Sunday, it's not a cliche. It's a real thing. It absolutely happens. And Brandon Cooks, obviously we saw him back on the field. He was the leading wide receiver last week. I think there is some flex upside due to Miami's propensity in the pass defense to kind of give certain things up. So I think you could have fantasy value there. On the Dolphins side of the ball... Miami is coming off their fourth straight win as well. They're coming off the bye, obviously. But before that, they rifled off four straight. Basically, since two has been back, they haven't lost a game. And the Texans allow a league-worst 179 yards per game on the ground. Add to that the fact that Jeff Wilson averages 5.4 yards per carry, which is fifth among running backs. You do the math. I'm looking at overs on yards for Wilson. I'm possibly looking at unders for Hill if it's high enough. I think this will be just like last week's game. I think there's going to be a lot of ground and pound from Miami, who is typically the defenses are preparing for Waddle and Hill. And, of course, two is still going to take his shots, and that's fine. But the great thing about Mike McDaniel is he adapts. He finds out what you don't do well, and then he attacks that thing, and he finds out what he does well. And, you know, so that being said, as smart as this coach is, I expect him to just go right at the weakness. I expect them to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Now, Miami all time does not have a winning record against the Houston Texans. It is very one sided. It's one of those weird things where some teams just have issues against different teams. But. They are going to try to get uh, their second win against the Texans in as many games, and hopefully they don't get caught asleep at the wheel. Everyone throws out the you know trap game. Those are real things, and especially coming off a bye, you didn't play last week. So hopefully the Dolphins will be prepared, ready to go. I will be there at Hard Rock Stadium, as always. So if you see us, it's really hard to miss the regulators. If you don't know, then you should do some research, but you, you really can't miss us. So we will be there. And that brings us to the Chicago Bears, 3-8, and eight, and they are taking on the New York Jets at 6-4. and four. A lot to talk about with this one. Ah, that's good shit. So Chicago Bears are 4.5-point underdogs uh, against the Jets. And I think the Bears cover the 4.5 points. I really think they do uh, for a bunch of reasons, right? So the Bears-Falcons game was the epitome of two desperate OCs who only have one plan for their quarterbacks. They got one card to play, and that's it. Uh, 
Justin Fields and Marcus Mariota combined for 31 carries. The quarterbacks for both teams in that game had more rushing yards than passing yards. That's that's, that's not a good thing. One team had to win, and it wasn't the Bears last week. So, Justin Fields had a wide receiver open late in the game. The DB had fallen down, and Justin Fields just missed it. Like, yes, he is mad dangerous in space. But to date, he is a one-trick pony. He is a one-trick pony. You know all that shit they talked about Lamar? Like, Lamar's a running back. Oh, he's a running back. Haha, like those jokes. But then he went out and led the league in yards per attempt at depth down the field. Like, he was he was crushing everything as a passing quarterback. Yes, he was mobile. Yes, he scrambled. Yes, he still ran. But he proved that he could do everything else. Right now, Justin Fields is a one-trick pony. And some teams, especially if they're getting leads... Yeah, they'll let you keep running the ball, running around, wasting clock, and trying to get down there and eventually score touchdowns. But we need to find out if Justin Fields can grow into a true dual-threat quarterback. If your quarterback has more rushes than pass attempts, then what are we saying about his skill set? In a passing league, in the way that we know the NFL operates, for a team that runs the ball all day, Their defense has not picked it up in practice because they don't seem to know how to stop the run. Which gives the New York Jets a great chance to take the game completely out of Zach Wilson's hands. Run the ball, run the ball, play defense. And that's kind of how I think both teams are sadly going to approach this game. And listen, I know there are old heads saying, oh, I love a smash mouth, but like, really? Did you like that 3-3 bullshit you saw against the Patriots? You can't tell me you like that. Yes, the teams were playing great defense, but in addition to some great defense, there was just a complete ineptitude on the offensive side of the ball. I don't mind seeing defensive games where, and I will say on the Patriots a little bit more so, because as we mentioned, like, Mac Jones was really good, 240 yards, like, again, I forget his stat, but, you know, he was matriculating the ball down the field. They weren't converting it to points. They'd send out the field goal unit. Shit didn't go their way. Like, it, it was what it was. But at least, like, that part I can understand. But on the Jets side of the ball, like, there, there was nothing. Like, there, there was fucking nothing. So, the Jets lost their 14th straight to the Patriots. 1-4 in a row. In a row. If you are a New York Jets fan, listen... All my people from New York, okay? I just got back from New York not that long ago. Half my people still up there. We talk a lot of shit, right? New Yorkers are loud, they're obnoxious, like, it is what it is. But if you are talking shit to Patriots fans, you need to shut the fuck up. You need to shut the fuck up. Not only because you're not currently in a position to talk a lot of shit, But in addition to the fact that they won all them fucking rings and Jets haven't won a Super Bowl since, what, 1969? In addition to all that, and this is not shade. This is is fucking accountability. You have not beat the Patriots in 14 straight games? You can't talk shit to Patriots fans. You can't. Like, I'm... 
I'm sorry. If you win the Super Bowl, then sure, go off. Be like, yeah, you got our number. Like, fucking, we can't beat you. But, you know, we won the ones that mattered and it's whatever. But do not direct your attention at Patriots fan because that is the longest active streak in the NFL of losing to one team. 14 straight. Seven years, ma. Like, the fuck? So, last week. Jets had nine completions and ten punts. They gained two yards in the second half. Two yards. And then, of course, as we know, Zach Wilson was asked if he feels like he let his defense down. This motherfucker said, no. Really? You were nine for 22 for 77 yards. I'm going to put this shit into context for you. You ready? If Geno Smith, who used to be a Jet, he's he's now the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. You, you're aware, right? But you, you drafted him. The New York Jets drafted him, but now he's Seattle Seahawks. If Geno Smith were to throw his next 150 passes into the stands, just... Let it fly. Hit the beer guy in the head. If he threw his next 150 passes into the stands, he would still have a higher passer rating than Zach Wilson. Do you know how stupid that is? Do you know how ridiculous that is? Almost as ridiculous as the fact that we went and did all the math on that to find that out. But the fact remains... Gino could throw 150 into the parking lot and still have a higher passer rating than Zach Wilson. Now, head coach Robert Sala said he has not yet committed to a quarterback for this week, which basically says, you know, it's probably not going to be Zach Wilson. Now, I don't blame Sala. And I, I like Sala. I, I like a lot of what he's doing. We knew he was going to bring the defense along, but Zach Wilson has six more career starts than Tim Tebow had. And he has four less passing touchdowns. How can you have less passing touchdowns than Tim Tebow? That That is the most damning stat that I have fucking found. And I don't, I don't know what else you need to know. The Jets' defense, like, they're playing their ass off. And unfortunately... They're going to need to force turnovers. They're going to need to continue to play just fucking lights out because at the moment, the quarterback is letting you down. Now, Justin Fields leads the NFL with 13 fumbles. So, Jets defenders, guess what? Opportunity is there, baby. Like, and Justin Fields is also sacked once every seven dropbacks. So, again, opportunity is going to be there. Do what you need to do defense. Don't even put it on your quarterback's hands. Like, you're going to have to score. You're going to have to pick six. You're going to have to strip sack fumble to the house. Like, you are going to have to do it. Or you're going to have to turn over the ball in their territory and make sure that, you know, you at least set up for a field goal. That's what's going to have to happen. So, having said that, I like the Bears to at least cover four and a half points because I think both of these teams match up very, very similar And I think the Bears can get within uh, five points of the Jets. 
Then we have the Cincinnati Bengals, six and four, taking on the Tennessee Titans on the road at seven and three, and the Bengals are favored by two points in this game. Now the Bengals are hoping to get Jamar Chase back soon as they attempt to hit their stride. They want to chase down the Baltimore Ravens. They want to try to make a play for the playoffs. Obviously, we remember the magical season that happened last year. Burrow last week, 355 yards, four touchdowns, but he did have the two interceptions. And, you know, I I hear the announcers as I'm watching the game saying, you know, well, you know, they're not all necessarily on him and tip passes and, you know, like, and okay, like, fair, you know, but they still happened. They still happened, you know, we're, we're not counting almost interceptions, we're counting actual interceptions, um, and, you know, it happened. But the one thing that was interesting, Samaje Pirine out carrying Joe Mixon, that was, that was something that kind of peaked me up like a meerkat. I was like, oh, okay, what, we, what, what do we got going on here late in the fantasy run towards the playoffs? So... Both of these running backs are now going to face the number two rush defense in football. So we might not find out a bunch. It might be a quiet day for the running backs facing the Titans. Fortunately, the Bengals are going against the third worst pass defense. So look for your overs on the pass game. You feel me? You have to keep Burrow upright, though. You have to. 32 sacks and counting. We know what it is. I think Justin Fields is the only quarterback sacked more than uh, than than Joe Burrow. Now, with Tennessee, RT17 last week, 22 of 37, 331 yards, two touchdowns, and the one pick. You hate the pick. Obviously, he goes over 300. Derrick Henry only had 87 yards last week. He did get a running touchdown, and he threw for a touchdown, which actually puts Derrick Henry only two passing touchdowns behind Kenny Pickett on the year. Yes, you heard me right. Derrick Henry needs two more passing touchdowns to catch up to Kenny Pickett, the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, people love to talk shit. They love to say, oh, Tannehill ain't shit, you know, without Henry, even though last year when Henry missed literally half the season and Tannehill won all them fucking games and did all those stats and whatever. But they'll continue to talk that shit. But, you know, that's fine. What did we say last episode? We moratorium. Like, we don't argue with clowns who are just saying stupid shit, who just don't like a guy for whatever reason. They're going to draw their line in the sand. It is what it is. If you want to have open dialogue, open conversation, I don't think this player's a good fit for this scheme or this and offer up opinions, that's fine. But to just say that... You know, I I won't even go there. You we we know what it is. We we will we will have um, dialogue. We will have constructive uh, discourse. But we we just we're not arguing with clowns out here. You know, every day we get these one follower trolls in our mentions that are like. And it's just so satisfying knowing that no one was around to hear your, you know, because like I'm not, I'm not commenting, and I'm not, I'm not responding, like I'm not whatever. Like now, if you say something statistically inaccurate, like I might have to fucking bend you over and give you an ass whoop and just, just to prove in front of all your friends that you don't know the maths. But outside of that, like I'm not fucking with you. So 
Ryan Tannehill went for 300 last week. Uh, Henry was held in check. Traylon Burks and Robert Woods, you know, like, that's who Tannehill is throwing to. There's no Justin Jefferson running out there. There's no Tyreek Hill, you know. And again, this is what I say when I say you have to cut off excuses for Mac Jones. Now, obviously, Tannehill has been in the league for a long time. Mac Jones is still learning. Mac Jones is still going through things. And last year we said, pull the training wheels off, man. It's It's got to fucking happen because this is what we were worried about this year was the fact that like if you don't start getting him ready to the things he has to acclimate to, then now this year when you ask him to do things and he can't and he struggles, you know, it's a problem. So, having said that, uh, Tennessee Titans hosting the Bengals. Bengals are favored by two on the road. I think the Bengals can get this done. I think they cover the two points, but I don't love it. I don't love it. So if you're not feeling that, definitely don't bet that one. The Atlanta Falcons, 5-6, and six, are taking on the Washington Commanders at 6-5. and five. Yes, winning record, Washington Commanders. Commanders are favored by 4.5 points in this game. I wouldn't put any action on this personally if it were me. Neither of these teams has proven consistently that I can trust them. We start off with Atlanta. First kick return for a touchdown for the Falcons in 12 years. Way to go, Falcons. Awesome. Cordero Patterson now holds the record for kickoff return touchdowns. But you still let Marcus Mariota fucking out carry him. Why did Mariota have 13 carries? Why did he have more than Cordero fucking Patterson after what happened last week when we all bashed you and said, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you just followed up. Like, you don't want to win. Like, is is that it? Like, you're, you're trying to race down to the bottom of the pile and tank for picks? Like, I don't know. Because, I mean, that's the fact that you even let Marcus Mariota quarterback for your team is not... Like, when are we going to see Desmond Ritter? When are we going to see Desmond... Like, just... Again, I wasn't saying, you know, put him in week one, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't believe that Mariota was your fucking, like, real guy. Like, you're, no, no, this is the guy. He could take us. He could take us all the way. Like, no, absolutely not. And weeks ago, they were on social, on mainstream media, they were like, Mariota is playing. Really? What? Like, no, he's not. Like, what the fuck are you looking at? You found one column in the sat line where you're like, oh, this guy's kind of decent. Like, no, he is not. He is garbage. And... It is what it is. Yeah, he went 13 of 20 last week for 131 yards. Like, that's not a thing. You can you can dink and dunk if it's going to wind up getting you 200-something yards. You can take the yak, and that's fine. But th- that's not the situation. He's throwing at or near the line of scrimmage to guys who are already smothered. So it's just, it's not a thing. And now you add to that that Kyle Pitts... Looks like he's out indefinitely. Is he done for the year? Possibly. He has a torn MCL. Probably needs surgery. He's heading to IR for right now. He's getting second opinions. But I wouldn't even, if I were the Falcons, I wouldn't even try to bring him back. Because first of all, the fact that you are paying this man what you're paying him any amount of money, like to have him on the field while Marcus Mariota tries to find him the football is laughable. Um, That's why I didn't trust him in fantasy. That's why... (laughs) You know, it, it just is what it is. But now, 
Pitts is on IR, and the Falcons are going to try to rally and play against a Washington Commanders team that is playing really, really good football right now. The Commanders were 1-4, and and now they've won five of their last six games. So Taylor Heineke might be the new Kirk Cousins because if you're a Commanders fan, you like that. You do like that. And Washington had 153 yards on the ground last week. It is so nice to see the return of Antonio Gibson, who has found his groove in this offense. Over 100 all-purpose yards last week. Listen, it was an exciting start for Brian Robinson after what he battled back from and to see him get on the field and everybody was hyped and he's a rookie and that's great. Um, But his 3.4 yards per carry has him outside of the top 50. I think that Antonio Gibson is what we thought he was and I think he's a very dynamic player and I think you get him the ball in space, he's going to make things happen. So I think he's a very viable fantasy option for you to roll with. The defense last week, all over the place, and they kept Houston under 150 total yards for the day. Add to that that Chase Young is coming back off of IR, so he might be back very, very soon. Not sure if he's going to be able to suit up for this week, possibly next, but that's a good sign for a team with a winning record that is ascending. I would love to see Washington continue to play good football as this year goes on. Again, you're... Your line on this game is Commanders by four and a half if you want that action, boss. The Los Angeles Chargers, five and five. They are heading out to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals at four and seven. Now, two teams in semi-different places. The Cardinals haven't, you know, thrown in the towel yet, but obviously things are looking very dire. The Los Angeles Chargers, listen, what are you going to do? They lost a close game to the Chiefs. It is what it is, but they're 5-5. Five and five. They're sitting at 500. Their season is not over. They have a lot to play for. Keenan Allen, holy shit, did he do everything to try and get the W last week. I mean, I really thought the Chargers might pull it out there. Um, Mike Williams made an amazing catch earlier in the game, and then they dragged him out back and shot him behind the stadium. Unfortunately, Mr. Glass aggravated his sprained ankle, and I say that jokingly. Like these are these are all professional people. Um, you know, they they have lives, they have wives, they have families, and they go out and they they try to put their bodies on the line for a sport. But this man was so fragile. I thought Devonte Parker was out there. That's all I'm saying. Like it just. You know, and obviously I'm a little burned because he is on my fantasy team. I wasn't stupid enough to put him into my lineup. Um, but I did I, I did take a small, small prop bet on any time touchdown, and, 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 and he fucked me. Not that he gives a shit about my prop bets. But the the Chargers need healthy wide receivers, man. Like, they, they, they need to get some guys out there. I mean, I... I can't imagine, like, if if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were healthy all season, we're talking about a completely different Chargers game. And again, it's if, 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 everybody has injuries, hell, half these teams are missing half of their secondary, half their their running back room, like, it's, it's a situation, like, I get it, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, who they're facing on the other side of the football, their entire offensive line is gone, like, they're out guards, tackles, all kinds of stuff, they got rookies out there, so... We all got problems, man. You just got to man up and you got to play. So Chargers are going to do their best. The fact that they're four and a half point 
favorites on the road tells you a lot of what Vegas thinks of the Arizona Cardinals. Not very much. I don't like the four and a half points. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, like a kid who couldn't hold the flashlight straight for their drunk dad, the Cardinals got smacked around last week. And it just, it really wasn't pretty. DeAndre Hopkins got flagged for counting. Like, literally counting. He got a 15-yard penalty. And, I mean, when Sesame Street got laxer rules than you, then you know you soft, NFL. If the count just out here, one, two, three defenders, ah, 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 and it ain't ain't no shade thrown at him, like, that's some Sesame Street shit, man. Like, you flagging people for this now? Like, that's soft. That's that's some garbage-ass shit. So, granted, last week, you know, the Cardinals had no Kyler Murray, so obviously that plays into how they played. But again, we just talked about the injuries. You know, it is what it is. The results haven't been that much better when Kyler Murray is on the field either the chargers have the third worst run defense in football so the cards can have success on the ground whether that's john connor whether that's if murray is able to get back and play then obviously you know that opens up things for them as well the cardinals also fired their offensive line coach in mexico while they were in mexico before the game for an incident stemming from a ruckus unfortunately i cannot describe the ruckus So we have no details as of this moment. Cliff Kingsbury has a very interesting stat line. So when he was at Texas Tech, his win rate was over 64% in his first seven games of the season. It was only 24% after those first seven games. Flip to the Cardinals. His win rate in the first seven games each year is 66%. After that, Less than 32%. Why do the Cardinals continue to fall apart year after year? And why is this kind of the mantra of the coach? Like, why why does this consistently happen to you? What is he not doing? What is his staff not doing? It's It happens once. It happens twice. Like, when it starts to become a trend, it's a stat line. It's, it's a talking point, right? So, excuse me. I think I just threw up a little bit of my mouth. Ah, some extra rum will help. But why do the Cardinals continue to fall apart at the end of seasons? We talked about it last year. We like this happens every last year they had this amazing run out the gate. And then like yes, I do my own sound effects. So I don't know what's gonna happen this week. I know that things are not looking good for a lot of people in Arizona right now and the more I watch Hard Knocks there's a lot of interesting things if you're not watching the HBO in-season Hard Knocks they're covering the Cardinals right now and this isn't a plug HBO doesn't pay me but just the show is awesome no matter which team is on there it's very interesting to see a lot of the dynamics one of the coolest things recently was on the last episode we got to see Van Jefferson's dad who is a coach for the uh, Cardinals And I can't imagine that dynamic of coaching against your son two times a year and just that emotional roller coaster as he explained of like, well, I I want the boy to do good, but, you know, I want to make sure we win the game, you know, and that is what happened when they played most recently. But, uh, you know, that's 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 just crazy. It's it's very, very interesting 
it's um you know i always go back to the harbaugh brothers coaching against each other in the super bowl and just like what that must have been like that emotional of course you want to win you're competitive and etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know also the second you lose oh my brother just won the super bowl this is the biggest moment of his life like you know and again with van Je- jefferson's dad i think that that feeling intensifies as a parent right because you got to be think you're scheming against this guy like you're you're scheming against what he's going to try to do and you know all his attributes and and then on the flip side you know he's he's doing the same but like you are literally trying to shut down the success of your son who is on the feet like that's that's wild man so i thought i thought that was a very interesting touch last week so i am very interesting to uh watch this week's hard knocks and i swear to god if they have um if they have footage of the offensive line coach from the Cardinals at a donkey show somewhere and that makes it in a hard knocks, I swear to God, man, like I I just I will be ecstatic. So I hope somehow whatever happens makes it into the show or or something. So we'll have to watch every Wednesday when those uh those come out. But where were we? Uh Cardinals, Chargers, yeah, Chargers favored by four and a half points on the road. I'm not taking the action, but do what you got it. Las Vegas Raiders, three and seven at the Seattle Seahawks, six and four. The Seahawks are favored by four points in this one. I think the Seahawks can get that covered at home. I think they can. Now, the only player that is breaking more tackles in football than Josh Jacobs is Nick Chubb. That's it. People sleep on Josh Jacobs so much there are so many players on on so many teams and that's another reason i love having a podcast about all 32 teams is we get to talk about everybody and and show love uh speaking of showing love max crosby this dude is just so fucking good at football man whether it's blocking field goals whether it's sacks like it's it's just insanity and it's insane how much talent is on this raiders squad look at Devonte adams walk off walk off overtime touchdown Last week, the Raiders obviously got the dub, but here's a crazy stat line for you. You ready for this? The Las Vegas Raiders, okay, their offense turns the ball over less than anybody in the NFL. They take care of the football. They don't turn it over. And they score on 45% of their offensive drives, which is the third best rate in the NFL. So, the offense scores more often on their drives than anybody except for two teams in the National Football League. They don't turn the ball over. So, what's happening? Like, what's the problem? Well, let's start with the fact that their defense allows the sixth most points. I'm sorry, the ninth most points, the sixth most yards. The defense can never get off the field. And if you can't get off the field, if you can't get three and outs, if you can't, you know, stymie the other team and get the ball back in the hands of your offense, then the offense the offense can't score enough points, which is something they are really fucking good at. So I know, just as always, it'll come back, just like Kirk Cousins, it'll come back to Derek Carr and people, oh, Derek Carr's trash. Really? Then why is Derek Carr... 
scoring touchdowns at a higher clip than everybody except for two fucking teams in the NFL. Because you don't see him running around in three different circles and then throwing something over his head that Travis Kelsey catches and then you're like, ah, no, that's what a good quarterback looks like. Stop, man. Get this guy a defense. We talked about it all last year. When Derek Carr was on this MVP run before he got hurt, like having just a phenomenal season, even then people were like, Carr ain't shit, Carr ain't shit. Derek Carr has had, his defense have allowed more points since he has been a quarterback of the NFL. His defenses have allowed more points in his however many years that he's been playing with the Raiders than any team in NFL history has allowed for their quarterback in the same amount of time. Like, it's just a stupid stat. It, Derek Carr is playing against his own fucking team. Has been four years. So, having said that, that's why I think that the Seattle Seahawks can cover the four at home. They're coming off the bye week. They got a lot to prove in the West. Okay? If you want to know just how much defenses respect Tyler Lockett, he gets 7.7 yards of cushion at the line of scrimmage. Leads the NFL. I expect a big day from him. The one thing, the one caveat that will get you in trouble, the Seahawks are the second most penalized team in football. Got to get them boys right, Pete. Got to get them boys right. We saw what happened to Cowboys last year. We see what happens to team every year. The teams that are leading in penalties, it's very, very rare that they do anything. So got to get those fundamental things down. Now, staying in the same division, Los Angeles Rams, they also have a game. You like the way I sold that? They have a game. So, Los Angeles Rams are at 3-7. and seven. Things are not looking great for them. And now they get to head to Kansas City, a completely inhospitable place to play. And you're taking on the 8-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs. You want to talk about big spreads. The Chiefs are favored by 14.5 points in this game. Let me tell you something. Over two touchdowns? Nah, man. Uh, I, I'm not taking that. What I, what I will do is I'll tie that into some really pretty things that are teasers, and I'll go the other way with it. That's 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 probably what I'm more likely to do. E- either way of that, that you fall on a tease. But 3-7 and seven is the worst 10-game start for a defending Super Bowl champion ever in history. You go from the Super Bowl to being 3-7. and Houseway. The Rams had over 300 yards of offense last week, but the defense allowed just as many points, and they didn't force any turnovers. Tutu Atwell and Robinson are fighting for targets with Cooper Cup out. Obviously, that changes the complete dynamic of your team. We know that Matt Stafford, you know, missed time as well. The interesting thing, the really interesting thing here is Henderson was waived this week. And with Daryl Henderson out of the lineup, this now leaves Cam Akers and rookie 
Kyron Williams as the only backs even on the Rams roster. So, Akers was the lead back last week, and I tell you, he's about to see more action than the last cucumber in a sorority house fridge. If this guy is available in your fantasy leagues, pick him up, make sure he's on standby. Unfortunately, the run game isn't going to save the day for the Rams. They're going to need fast points if they're going to try to keep pace with Kansas City. The Chiefs are also coming off their fourth straight victory. The Chargers did give them a momentary scare last week, but Travis Kelsey said, not today. Kansas City got the division win. Mahomes, 329 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Is it... You know, what do you say? Like, Mahomes is Mahomes. Elite. Now, Pacheco, over 100 yards, and CEH may have lost that job. Injury or no injury, it looks like Pacheco is the guy. Now, the Rams do have the number four run defense, so don't get too hyped about Pacheco for this week in particular. Mahomes leads the league in yak yardage. And it's incredible to see what these guys can do after the catch. Whether it's Kelsey, you know, whether it's, you know, Pacheco coming out of the backfield, whether he's hitting, you know, his wide receivers, MVS and Sky Moore and these other guys, it's uh it's amazing the yak yardage that the Chiefs have been able to gain this season so um we talked about it last year going back to the things that mahomes is learning to do well find guys in space doesn't matter how far down the field they are get the ball out let them get some yardage and get points so i think the chiefs you know easily handle the rams at homes i don't know about 14 and a half points they could blow them out by 30 but usually when you expect it is when it's least likely to happen so i'm not putting money on that the New Orleans Saints, 4-7, and seven, are heading out to the Bay to take on the San Francisco 49ers at 6-4. and four. The Niners are favored by 9 in this one. Now, listen, I, I know they handled business. I know they, they blew out, you know, the Cardinals last week. But 9 points, that seems like a lot for the 49ers. And especially the, the Saints been scoring points, you know. So, like, I'm, I'm not feeling that myself. Now, we talked earlier about gifts that keep on giving. Chris Olave, my goodness. So after you purchase your new Toyota, celebrate with dinner at the Olave Garden because that's where I'm going to be at. Andy Dalton last week, 21 of 25, 260 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. We love it. We love to see it. Now, the Niners have the number one run defense. So all those Alvin Kamara owners out there, Temper those expectations a little bit. We talked about Yak with Mahomes. CMC, George Kittle, and Debo all lead their position groups since entering the league in yards after the catch. It's insanity to watch. The Niners are back atop the West. Jimmy G threw for a career-high four touchdowns last week. The Niners have the number four defense overall and the number 11 offense. And if you just calculate the games with Jimmy G, they move up to the number 8 offense. 
So you're talking about a team that's top 10 in both offense and defense, man. This is an under-the-radar team that not enough people are talking about. You want to know what else people aren't talking about enough? The amazing deals that you can find during Toyotathon down at your local Toyota dealership. Cars, trucks, SUVs. You want it, they got it. In today's economy, you need to be so much smarter with your money. You need to invest in things that last. So, if Broncos GM George Patton is done wasting money, I would tell him to invest in a Toyota. Make the right call and get down to your local Toyota dealership this week. Check out their incredible financing deals and rebate offers. Tell them the Regulators Podcast sent you and your first test drive is on us. Hopefully you get home in time to watch the Packers take on the Eagles. Now, this is definitely not where we thought both of these teams would be preseason. The Philadelphia Eagles are 9-1 and at home ready to take on the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers brings his team in at 4-7. and seven. Definitely living in a bizarre world. Not because we doubted Jalen Hurts or Nick Sirianni and the Eagles and things like that, but 9-1 and one is really fucking impressive. And the Packers are doing the opposite of whatever really fucking impressive is. So, last week, Rodgers actually had a clean game. 227 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Watson, again, had two touchdowns. Fantasy owners, obviously they were excited. But the defense allowed over 400 yards. Normally that pass defense is much better. They're actually number five in the league. Now Aaron Rodgers faces the number two pass defense in the NFL on the other side of the field. So... I fear a very long day in store for Green Bay. And something I've been saying for a while now is you have to take the names off of these teams. When you're betting the Packers, you just, you see Aaron Rodgers, you see Packers, and it's hard, right? It's hard to even imagine uh, that they're just going to get manhandled by somebody, that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to do it. I mean, we did, we did bet on them against Dallas and it paid off for us but in general you you have to be really careful the way you bet the Packers if you're prone to being biased towards Aaron Rodgers being like the baddest fucking dude on the planet which in my opinion he has been for a decade and now they're going on the road. They're taking on a 9-1 and football team that is very, very fucking good. And that is why the Eagles are favored by 7 in this game. And if I take the names off of this, if for all I know this is the Colts, the Texans, you know, Bears, whoever, if I just took the names off of this and looked at the stats of both teams and everything, I'm like, yes, Team B covers by seven. I, I I absolutely am taking that. So you know what I like to do. I'm gonna tease it down to six and a half. I'm gonna take a half point. It's not gonna cost me a bunch in the in the term of things, but I like the the Eagles by six and a half. I think they get it done. Um, Rogers, like I said, he's he's gonna have a tough day against that defense. Now the Eagles have forced 20 turnovers this season, including 13 interceptions, which are both the most in the NFL. Now, normally Aaron Rodgers doesn't turn the ball over, but 
I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye out for some interception props. If the spread is really amazing in my favor, I'm, I might have to take it. Um, Aaron Rodgers currently leads the league in passes behind the line of scrimmage, but the yak hasn't been there. And I think LaFleur, honestly, is going to need to change it up. I get what you're trying to do. I get the offense that you wish you had, the skill players that you think you might have. But in general, it's it's not playing out the way you think it should. And again, we said a couple weeks ago, that's it. It's dead. It's over. The Packers are fucking done. Like, it's not going to happen. Could they technically go on a run and end up 10-7? and seven? Yeah, technically. Could the NFC be so shitty that they find their way into the playoffs as a wild card? Yeah, technically. Could they also then get blown out in the playoffs when they have been numerous times when they had much better football teams? Definitely. So Packers are done. They're not going anywhere. And please, by all means, be the team that proves me wrong and shuts the fuck up because I will eat crow so bad when I'm like, just like I said, with Brady, with Belichick, like, you know, Mahomes, when he started shaky last season, like, you know, can't count out Rodgers. You just can't do it. Like, so please show me, Aaron, that like it is still possible for you to go scorched earth and go make a bunch of fucking noise because I don't I don't see it personally happening. Definitely not if LaFleur is going to keep the offense the way it's structured right now. With the Eagles, listen, they had that wash that washed to Washington. They had the loss to Washington. I swear I'm not that drunk yet. Ah feels better already they had that loss to washington obviously that wasn't what they wanted to happen but they had indianapolis on deck and things did look rough for a minute we were like "Ooh, ooh, are are the eagles gonna start Eh, you know what's what's gonna happen but they reacted to the adversity they got the w they did what they needed to do and all that shows on the end of the sheet that matters is nine and one doesn't matter who the team was, doesn't matter that, you know, you had to come back late, but, you know, you you did what you needed to do. So, last week, the Eagles lost two fumbles early, and like we talked about with the Bills, like we talked about with some of these other teams, the Chicago Bears, you have to protect the football. You have to. You can't be 9-1, and, and and again, they know that. It happens. I, I expect them to clean those things up, but... Aaron Rodgers is that dude that if you make a mistake late, if this is a close game and you throw a pick, you get a fumble, you give it back to him, eight times out of ten, you know, it used to be nine, used to be nine, but I'd say right now still about eight times out of ten, you give the dude the ball somewhere in his own territory and he needs to score with a minute left in the game, he's still going to do it. I still say he does it. So I don't think that situation is going to happen. I think the Eagles win by more than a touchdown and they get out ahead. But protect the football so you don't get into these situations. Eagles are favored by seven. Take them at six and a half. Pittsburgh Steelers, three and seven, taking on the Indianapolis Colts, four and six and one on Monday Night Football. Not the game that I would have picked for Monday Night Football, but going into the season, I don't think either of us, any of us, thought that both of these teams were going to have very bad losing records. Now, 
The Steelers are 1-8 all-time without T.J. Watt. They've only won one game, which happened for the first time this year, without T.J. Watt. They're 53-24-2 and with him. The guy is such a difference maker, man. Like, I know they lost last week, but you see him back in. You see what he does, how he transforms that fucking defense, how the players react around him and feed off of it. T.J. Watt is just not from this planet. They talk about Mahomes is not from this planet. Lamar is not from this planet. Well, whatever planet they come from, T.J. Watt also hails from. The dude, for my money, is one of the best players of football, if not, you know, the best defensive player in all of NFL. But just one of the greatest athletes, and it's just, it's absolutely amazing to watch. Now, Kenny Pickett, on the other hand, looks scared. He looks terrified back there in the pocket. It's not a question that I have of his ability of, you know, can he make the throws? Can he, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's not my issue, but he does not look comfortable at all. And again, to put some things into perspectives, I told you that Kenny Pickett, you know, only had a couple more passing touchdowns than Derrick Henry. But let's say we spotted Kenny Pickett an extra 20 touchdowns onto his stats this season. If we gave Kenny Pickett an extra 20 touchdowns, he would still have a lower passer rating than Jimmy Garoppolo. The bar is very, very, very low. And Kenny Pickett's a rookie, man. Like, again, I want to be clear. I'm not damning this kid. This kid definitely gets way more lax than I'm giving to Mac Jones and Zach Wilson in year two. This kid is a rookie, and even Steeler fans will tell you about their offensive coordinator and what they think and all that nonsense. But Najee has been not Najee, um, at least not the Najee that they expected of him. You know, yes, you know, last week, you know, we'll come back to that. But in general, the run game has been shit. The rest of it has been shit. There's been a lot of things that just haven't worked out the way the Steelers had liked. And so you add Kenny Pickett into that mix, who is not playing very good football. right? He's playing rookie football. He's playing rookie football. You know, and he's figuring out what he can do in this league and what things he can push the envelope on and which other things are very, very bad decisions. So, and... You know, if you can hear my voice at home or in the car or wherever you are listening to this, and you have never played in the National Football League, just know that you too have the same amount of touchdowns as the leading wide receiver of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Deontay Johnson. Zero. Zero. So throw that on your resume for your next job interview. I, uh,. Had the same amount of uh, receiving touchdowns as Deontay Johnson through 11 weeks of the NFL season. Good for us. Now, Najee almost looked like a running back last week. I got it. Like, he showed up. Um, I'm not buying it. Still don't think that that was a like, oh, here he is. Like, I, th- I think it's still, I think it's still not good. So. Temper those expectations. The Steelers have the worst pass defense in the NFL. So again, we talked about Kenny Pickett. We talked about these other things. Defense isn't helping either. Worst pass defense in the NFL. 
So, Matt Ryan, as Harvey Weinstein would say, this D is about to make you a star. I expect Matt Ryan to go fucking bombs over Baghdad on these bitches. I do think that Jim Ursay may have canceled the Hall of Fame banquet for Coach Jeff Saturday. Might have put it on hold just, just a little bit. Um, they actually played a decent game last week. They couldn't finish it, you know, but it, it was what it was. Jonathan Taylor didn't hit 100 yards, but he did find the end zone for his fantasy owners. Matt Ryan was mistake-free, but didn't throw any touchdowns either. He was sacked four times, and I would think former offensive lineman Jeff Saturday is definitely going to have some thoughts in the meeting room about uh, the offensive line play and protecting their quarterback. Now, this is a winnable game for both of these teams who are struggling for a sense of identity and obviously pride. The Colts are favored by two and a half points at home. I think Jeff Saturday gets his second dub. I think he's going to get it at home against the Steelers. But, again, T.J. Watt may have his own plans. And T.J. Watt did not coordinate with me. He did not ask for my input. So he might decide to show up and fuck shit up, which is what he does best. So either way, it'll be an exciting game. And uh, I'm just happy that every single team is playing this week, that we get to talk about everybody. And, you know, if you're an NFL fan, that means you too. You got football, you got Thanksgiving. Even if you don't celebrate it, stuff your face full of something, have a few drinks, and uh, we'll be cheersing to you over here. Now that brings us to Chaz's Corner. If you don't know, now you know. If you're new to the show... Chaz is our content consigliere, a very big contributor to what we do here at the Regulators Podcast. And every every week we like to end the show with Chaz's Corner. And this is a couple of betting picks that we like to put out for all of our listeners. If you want all of our picks, if you want everything that we're tracking, if you want to see our spreadsheet of how many units ahead we are this year, all of that stuff can be found at our Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Or again, regulatorspod.com. Find us and you know click over to that. But it's $2.99 a month to subscribe. Get some behind-the-scenes content to get access to all of our bets, all the things that we do, and track the receipts with us. It also allows you the opportunity to join an exclusive contest, which we had a drawing contest this week that I thought was very, very fun. Um... We had drawings of NF. It was basically NFL theme. That was that was really the only thing. So we asked everybody who's a subscriber to submit a NFL themed uh, drawing, and we are going to pick a winner. Not right now, but this week on Twitter, we are going to post it uh, on our Twitter page at Regulators Pod. So thank you everybody who sent in your drawings. And I'm excited to uh, get to the point where we can announce our winner for our Patreon contest. But for those who aren't a member of the Patreon, who aren't interested in all our bets and all that other crazy stuff, here's just a couple things that we are riding on this week. The Ravens minus four is my lock of the week. I think that the Ravens get the win over Jacksonville. 
um, that's that's something that I, I feel pretty, pretty confident about. So if you were going to take one bet, one solo straight up, I would go for the Ravens minus four. That's going to be our lock in Chaz's corner. And another thing that you can look at is the Bears plus four and a half. I think that's right up there with the Ravens. Maybe even even time together if you want to do a parlay. You could get both tied into a parlay at uh, 199 and you could actually do uh, Bears, I think, five and a half and Ravens minus uh, three. You could do, yeah, so you get, you buy one point each way and both of those would be at 199 if you tied them into a parlay. Or, like I said, bet them straight up individually. Now, some other stuff for you to look out for because, again, when this podcast launches, we still have like five or six days before a lot of this football action. So a lot of props aren't there yet. There's a lot of stuff that I can't give you guys. You know, if you're a Patreon subscriber, obviously you get it like day of or the day before, as soon as that stuff drops and we jump on it. But, you know, for everybody else who's trying to bet ahead, I'm trying to give you stuff that you can look out for, right? So Josh Allen right now, for Thursday, because this prop is already out, his prop is set at 37 and a half rushing yards. If you bet the over on that, I really like that. He has covered over 37 and a half rushing yards in seven of his 10 games this season. So the odds are ever in your favor if you like that. I am also looking for props on Jeff Wilson overs. I'm looking, as I mentioned, to see if there's a Rodgers interception over that pays really, really well then I'll take a little bit of action there. Most betting sites this week are going to have odds boosts all over the place. They're going to have crazy things. So those are going to be some things to look out for because Thanksgiving, for whatever reason, this is like the biggest betting week. Everybody um, that we've worked with in the past is always pushing stuff out through Thanksgiving. So you're going to look for all kinds of odds boosts and free bets and all kinds of things like that. So keep your eyes out. If you have any, any questions, you can always hit us up. If you don't understand how round robins work or uh, teasers or different things, you know, we're, we're happy to educate you guys. We're, we're here for the people and for the culture. But if you want more than this, if you want our expanded bets, all our receipts, everything else like that, again, you can check us out over at patreon.com. Look up the regulators podcast. Other than that, I am so, so fucking thankful that you guys allow me to get drunk, talk shit with you guys every single week. And if you want to talk more shit with me, please find us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. It really, for my money, is the best social media app out there right now, right up there with TikTok, where I just delve right into the comments section. You know what it's about. But TikTok, I mean, Twitter, the way it's set up and the way you can mute things and filter your things to make it... Like, you know, our feed is just football. It's all football 24-7. So if I talk shit about your quarterback and you don't like it, at me. Like, let's, let's talk. You know, I'm not, I'm not here for a Twitter beef, but, you know, we can have conversations. If you think I'm, I'm missing, uh, you know, a narrative, if you think I'm letting somebody off the hook too easy or I'm not holding someone's feet to the fire for accountability, if you, you want to hold me to the fire for accountability, then, you know, let's go. Like, it's Salem in the 1600s. Like, I'm about it. Um, I love to have conversations about football. I love doing this every single fucking week with you guys. You guys are amazing. I love the shit out of you. Until next week, we out. Regulator!